1: Welcome to Locked On Bucks. I'm Eric name, Milwaukee Bucks reporter at The Athletic, Wisconsin, and joining me as always is my good friend and the founder of BrewHoop.com, Frank Madden. Frank, how you doing, buddy?
0: I'm doing well, Eric. Uh, you know, I didn't get a chance to, to talk with you uh, after the Celtics game, so uh, since since we last spoke, it's it's been a, it's been a good start to the second half of Milwaukee Bucks, and it's been an even better start for the Bucks odds of having home court throughout the uh, NBA playoffs. And by that, I mean, the Bucs have won two games and everybody else who seems to be considered to be competition has lost at least once. So, um, you know, not not necessarily like a game buster start to the second half for the Bucs in terms of like level of overall play, but hanging on to beat the Celtics and uh, eventually uh, pulling away from the Timberwolves on Saturday, um, Yeah, you know, tough to complain too much. Bucks kind of getting their group back and other teams are are seemingly having a harder time doing that
1: i gotta say frank i appreciate you saying the teams that are supposed to be the bucks competition that's very well done uh and i also think that means that you have a larger point that you wanted to touch on because you opened up your microphone and started complaining to me um about the coverage of the bucks win over the celtics on friday uh so what do you got from me buddy
0: well, look, I mean, I'm not going to tell you that the Bucks winning by one point at home is, you know, some confirmation that they're going to win a championship or something like that, right? Um, I don't know. It just It just seems like with Boston in particular, people have been either, it just seems like people have been trying to pull, you know, storylines to grasp onto about why the Celtics have finally figured things out or, you know arguments basically to confirm what people thought was going to, you know, were going to be the reasons for the Celtics being good before the season started. And it's just like, it's just annoying because it's like, like I watched the jump uh, this afternoon. I I was uh, in Houston this weekend with my family, hanging out with the in-laws and uh, came back Sunday afternoon, threw on the jumps. I didn't see it on Friday. And, you know, it, of course it took them like, you know, 20 minutes or something to even talk about this game. And the starting point of the discussion is, like, was there a foul on the Bucs on the final play of the game? And I understand why that, why that is, like, the discussion point, because, like, they, they always want to... I mean, this is just, like, generally how things happen in, like, NBA coverage and pretty much any type of sports coverage now. Like, you try to pick something that someone can digest in, like, 10 seconds and have an opinion about, rather than talk about, like, the overall game or the game in the context of the overall season. And so, of course, it's like, you know, they talk about that. And then, you know, Rachel Nichols has some comment, some comment. Oh, the takeaway for me was Al Horford. And it's just like, wait a minute. Like the Bucks have beaten the Celtics two out of three times. They are how many games ahead of them in this, the standings, like like nine losses or something like that ahead of the Celtics in the yeah. standings. And once again, we're like bending over backwards to talk about the Celtics being, you know, title contenders or, or whatever. Right. And on the one hand, I, I agree. You know, Al Horford playing well of late is really important for the Celtics because he's, you know, I mean, I've been, we've been talking about it since last year that he's quite possibly their most valuable player, even ahead of Kyrie. Um, but all right, Al Horford is really good and they lost. And Giannis was better because he's a better player and the Bucks won. And, you know, so I, I don't know. It's just it's just kind of of those things, On the one hand, like, as I've said before, part of me is like very happy to just have people sleep on the Bucks and, Doubt the box and say that you know, oh, <laughs> well, that people are going to be able to game plan for Giannis in the playoffs, or you know, whatever whatever the argument it is that ignores like the past that we've already seen that teams just can't switch, yeah, um, or or just bend over backwards, like oh, they're too dependent on Brook Lopez, or you know, right, even though they've been as good or better uh, for much of the season with Giannis playing without Brook Lopez, you know, and, and now with Miritich, they even have even another dimension they can throw at you. So I don't know. I mean, again, like on the one hand. I, I, you know, we've talk, we've always talked about this. The Bucks are always better without expectations. <laughs> and <laughs> certainly coming into the season, we all thought they were going to be better. We didn't think they were going to be you know sixty plus win better. Um, and so there's still like a little bit of you know there's kind of the honeymoon phase. There's a bit of the like you know like oh this is just really fun phase. I mean this is this is in a lot of ways like uh, I don't know people like like we've been saying people should enjoy this because there's the surprise factor. There's the nobody's looking to like blow holes in them, put them under the microscope necessarily. And yet at the same time, people are skeptical for without like a lot of good reason all the time. Um, And so I think it's, it's kind of a funny, I don't know, it's kind of a funny phase because I think people need to enjoy it. I think, you know, again, like, and I fall, fall into it as well, like, don't worry about like what other people are saying because I think it's sets itself up very well for the Bucks because the Bucks could win 64 games, have the number one seed across the entire playoffs and nobody's going to pick them to win a championship. And a lot of people are going to pick other teams to come out of the East. So, you know, there's still everything to play for, but I don't know. I let, us say this. I totally get people like, cause I, I mean, clearly I, I get annoyed by it too. Um, when kind of like, people who especially don't watch the Bucs a lot or, you know, are just looking for reasons to kind of create competition that maybe at least hasn't been there during the regular season, um, try to conjure up sort of these narratives, especially for a team like the Celtics. Um, but whatever, you know what, between us amongst friends, Bucks Nation, it's it's, it's dumb, you know, um, and I think, I think a lot more people are coming around to the Bucs because it's just, you know, I mean, how long can you kind of dismiss them Um until you know, I mean, do you do you wait until they've won sixty games before you say that like, oh wow, this is a great (laughs) team, a great team? Um I mean, I'm sure some people will do that, but um I don't know. I'm 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 kind of in that middle middle road between wanting the recognition because I think the Bucks deserve it, and also like, you know, then going back and saying, ah maybe that's okay, because again, if the Bucks can win 64 games and be able to go into the playoffs playing the no one believes in us card. That might be the ideal situation for
1: them. Yeah, it's funny. We were kind of talking about this before last night's game. I think it was like Matt and Kane and uh, Malika Andrews from ESPN. Like we we're all talking about just like you know the idea that it, it would be a hard to figure out a way to think of the Bucks being any better this season and that dominance being any more boring. Like there, there's just been no drama to the season like it was in the preseason oh look at this the Bucks are going to shoot a bunch of threes that seems cool that also seems quite helpful because I would guess that's going to help Giannis and you know what it was it was incredibly helpful and it's made them a much better team and now they're very good offensively and oh, Bud's going to come in and he's going to install these principles defensively and they're going to be much improved defensively because they have a lot of talent defensively. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. And it, like I said, b- besides uh, you know winning the first seven and then going every other for uh, about a month or so, I think it was when they had gone win-loss, win-loss, win-loss for a little while. Other than that little like month-long stretch they've just been very good throughout the whole season and uh you know we're at a spot where yeah i don't i don't know what questions you can have anymore like oh you know they're beating up on the east but they can't beat the west okay that's not true uh they have uh they can win at home where they're 24 and 5 but they can't win on the road okay they're the league's best road team uh they can Win big, but they can't win close games. Okay, well, they win close games all the time. Uh, or any time that they're put in those situations, I should say. Not all the time, because they blow teams out. Um, they can beat up on the rest of the Eastern Conference, but not the top of the East. Okay, well, they're 8-2 and two against those teams. So like, no matter what you're trying to conjure um, and what you're trying to do, like, you just can't find something. So... Because you can't find something, the only argument you can make is this team hasn't won a playoff series since 2001. And that's not going to change. Um, that, that, that's not going to change until the playoffs. So I think it's just what everyone's going to lean back on because I, I think it's easy. Like, like you said, like, if you're trying to think of uh, digestible content, um, you know, and how and you know maybe not watching the entirety of Bucks Celtics and watching every second of it, uh, yeah, saying that the Bucks are the best team in the East, maybe not the most, uh, maybe not the most interesting talking point. Maybe you want to go in a different direction. And uh, did Kyrie get fouled? Like, okay, maybe he did, but also the officials missed six calls in the final or I think even more like eight calls in the final uh, two minutes. So like, what, what are we talking about They were the, the rest were just bad. Like it doesn't matter whether or not they missed one there. Uh, and Oh, if you do want to say they missed one on Kyrie, then you also have to say that they missed one on Kyrie uh, when he set a moving screen to try to free open Marcus Morris. So like, there's just this circular logic that just, you know, keeps people away from talking about the bucks and, has them talk about these other teams, which is very clearly what everyone wants to do. Like I said, when when you talk about the rest of the Eastern Conference, you are looking for excuses for why they have not been as good as they could possibly be, and when you're talking about the Bucks, you're looking at reasons for why they aren't as good as they have been. Like that's that's to me just kind of what the story of the season has been, and is is it a good or a bad thing? I don't. I don't really know. Like, I, I don't know how any of that stuff uh, affects really anything. I I do know, though, that I'm in the Bucks locker room, and it, it could not be more loose. Um, I've, I'm, I'm at shoot-arounds. I'm at practices. Uh, this is a loose team. Uh, I'm trying to think. On shoot-around day before Boston, Brooke Lopez spent – five minutes with me joking out, joking around about uh his all-star break and being a, at let's see which one's in florida disneyland wherever his house is um the one that's in florida i I never remember land or world uh and the new rides that they have in and uh you know all the stuff that he wants to do in the summer to at the park and you know what a, a hard day at the park looks like and what a easy day at the park looks like like that's what he was spending his time talking to the media about not oh this is a huge game against Boston this is a really loose basketball team so um I I don't think any of that talk from the outside really affects them in any meaningful way and you know I think that's probably like you said a a good thing that you know maybe they aren't playing with the pressure of being fully respected or,
0: or or whatever it may be Yeah, so I mean really my two biggest complaints about the last couple of games well, I think they're probably three 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 complaints. One, um, that they only barely beat the Celtics rather than laying the wood to them. That would have been more more satisfying if we could have had a, a <laughs> wood laying of the Celtics. Um, just to quelch, you know, any discussions um about Boston for now. Although then Boston did a, a solid by promptly losing to the Bulls uh, on Saturday, so that that kinda helped that and Kyrie keeps talking, so blah, 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 Kyrie. Um, and then Bledsoe having another anonymous game against Boston annoyed me just because it's like there's no reason why he – I needs- thought he was through it. There's no, yeah, there's no reason why this needs to keep happening to him against um, – I was at least happy he had that big bucket late. Um, and obviously, you know, to be honest, um, you know, he made made Kyrie missed um, there uh, at the end. Um, but you know, bookending the All Star break with a four point night against the Pacers and a five point night against the Celtics, not exactly making me feel great about uh, Eric Bledsoe. I despite can't play from no, for some reason Siri butting in, uh, I don't know what I just said. To, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, Bledsoe struggling in two straight games against the Celtics and Pacers was a bummer because obviously he had been playing very well. Um, and obviously he's been good all season. I was happy to see him kind of bounce back a bit on Saturday uh, against the Wolves, at least, you know, returning to form, at least scoring 16.7 assists, a couple steals, five boards. Um, but, yeah, I mean, kind of a reminder there, like, Bledsoe, maybe more than anyone, I think, has something to prove in the playoffs. Um, and, you know, again, like, uh, I think the the noise about the Bucks and, you know, 2001 and all that, I think as we talked about, I mean, obviously, like these players have nothing to do with Michael Red's Bucks or the Fear of the Deer Bucks, right? Like, I mean, I guess Ursan was technically on the Fear of the Deer Bucks, but other than that, you know, for the most part, this is its own. These are their own team. Mike Budenholzer is his own coach. Mike Budenholzer has obviously gone to the conference finals. He's won sixty games, Um, but yeah, I mean, the rest of this team—it's not like a super, super young team, but yeah, they haven't won. You know together a playoff series and um you know historically as we've talked about it's it's like you don't go from nothing to winning a championship um generally uh you know even the the warriors uh, it wasn't the year before but the year prior to the the i guess two years before they, they did win a playoff series with with clay and staff and the company now whether that like you know what that means for the box who knows right Um, this is an uncommon team regardless, right? And clearly this was an underachieving team in past years. And I think what you said about the team avoiding drama, they have a clear hierarchy um, and they have incredible depth at this point and a superstar who I don't think any of us are concerned that if he's healthy, he's going to be rising to the challenge of the playoffs. So um, so yeah, I think it's I think what you said about and, we, and we've talked about too, right? The the lack of drama, right? The Bucks make for bad talk radio because there's not really <laughs> the obvious stuff to complain about. Like you know, you tweeted it out, you know, with Kyrie and Durant. Like obviously, those are much bigger names than the Bucks impending free agents. But the Bucks have had four guys starting who are going to hit free agency all season. Now they've added Miritich, who's also going to be free agent. There's been no drama about that. Right. <laughs> the, and, and I so. will
1: say, like, I'm, as I mentioned, like, I'm in the room pretty much all the time. I'm in all the huddles. And, like, these guys get asked about it. Like, and again, I'm not going to say this is everyone on the internet talking about Kevin Durant and what he's doing next or Kyrie Irving, but, like, all those guys get asked about their contracts semi regularly, like, probably once a week, once every two weeks. Like, there is someone from, in a way team or some outlet that asks about, you know, their contract and what it means and, you know, what winning this year would do. And like, it's incredibly boring because they say the same thing every single time. And they don't, they don't have the insatiable desire to have everyone on the earth talk about them. (coughs) Kyrie, (coughs) Kevin Durant. (coughs) Um, But like, they just no. They just want to hoop. They just want to hoop, Eric. So, That's so. I've heard, but for some reason, despite just wanting to hoop, they managed to miss nine days of media availability or create a, a firestorm out of out of nothing. I, oh, just wait. Never mind. I, that they just want to hoop. That's my bad. Um, but you know, like those guys get asked about it, and it's been totally drama free. Like they say, pretty much. You know, I am just about winning this year, and I want to get to the summer. Okay. Great sounds good that's a terrible quote I will never use it thank you um and like it just like keeps going and it's not it's nothing it, it has it it's so rare that you have four starters
0: that only new contracts and it's
1: not a story at all
0: um let's look at maybe the the game especially the Saturday game since you you obviously talked about the Celtics game and we kind of just alluded to it um Interesting kind of context. You look back at the Bucks' previous four games; they were really defensive. The the, the four games for Obviously, the Celtics game was was way more rock fighty than you might have hoped. Um, uh, doldrums may be affecting both teams. Um, the Indiana game was also, though, um, a bit more of a slog. And the two games previous to that also, um, including the the Magic game, the Bucks really did not score that much. And defensively, they weren't even that bad, even when they got blown out by the Magic. Uh, Saturday's game, obviously, very different. Mike Budenholzer had uh, ample reason to uh, go look at... Um, we saw uh, a lot of shots being made. Uh, we saw maybe the greatest, like, five minutes of Anthony Tolliver's life. Um, although Anthony is a very solid player in terms of, like, you know, stretch, you know, mobile defender, like, all fine and good. Respect Anthony Tolliver. Hey, Minnesota.
1: Um, if you want to uh, buy out Anthony Tolliver or, or uh, Taj Gibson, that'd be
0: cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that game on Saturday was much more of the kind of shootout games that we've seen at times. You know, I mean, the Bucs still uh, obviously defensively have been great this year. Um, but uh, our friend Ben Golliver tweeted out, uh, I believe that's now 540 point games for the Bucks this year, and what was the stat in the past thirty? Four years, in the last thirty years. So, <laughs> 30 <Yeah>. four. <laughs> so um, obviously, there's there's multiple things going on here, including uh, you know the Bucks playing at a um, you know again we saw the Bucks have been able to win different games. You know, the game on Thursday on sub 100 scoring night, uh, very uncommon for for the Bucs. they're able to slog it out kind of fight through um, some pretty – some sloppy play offensively to win. And then on Saturday, they really, you know, don't bring it defensively. Um, they started switching much more liberally, especially on those Tolliver pick and rolls. Um, I, I thought it was interesting. I mean, we've seen a lot more switching of late um, anyway. Um, our friend d Maniot had an interesting tweet about um, the Bucks' success um, as a switching defense so far this year. Not a huge sample, but they, you know, have generally – vastly outscored their opponents when they've sort of gone to switching for, for, you know, more than, and again, he wasn't looking at just like random, you know, one possession type things, but where they have consciously gone to switching defenses, they've been very good. Uh, and obviously over the course of that game on Saturday, I'm not going to say that their defense was great when they were switching, but I thought it was really interesting because, you know, we saw, especially Miritich, um get switched pretty regularly onto smaller guys. And he had some really good possessions, I thought, defensively um, in switch situations, which obviously is, is very... Because, you know, DJ Wilson right now has been the victim of his arrival with Urson continuing to play. And, um, you know, he's offensively certainly re- rediscovered his shit. I think it'll be interesting to see, you know, is that sustainable against you know, good teams, as we pointed out, especially in the playoffs. Um, but, you know, I think certainly Miritich... Um, I mean, what we saw on Saturday to me was, was, you know, I thought it, uh, to me was, was kind of the story of the game. I mean, Chris Middleton was great. Giannis was, you know, unstoppable for three minutes and then kind of not so unstoppable. And then back to Giannis, um, kind of in the first stretches of the, Saturday. um, Middleton was really good. Uh, but Meredith scoring 17 points on in 18 minutes, he kind of did like, it was kind of like the you know uh Titch sampler platter like to kind of wet your appetite for what you hope to see from him moving forward you know we saw him score eight points and and kind of give you a little sample uh against the Celtics uh but on Saturday you know i mean again obviously the three point shooting and just like the the ability to just kind of have that quick trigger and whether he's covered or not be a threat that is obviously something that's can be so valuable. Um, but then also, you know, he can do other stuff and he's not just limited to, um, to being a guy that's a spot up shooter. So seeing him do that, um, I think he had what might've had a couple blocks, including, um, I think it was, it was against highest Jones or somebody where he switched against a point guard and ended up moving yeah. his feet and blocking a shot. Um, you know, just generally I thought um, he, he, you know, acquitted himself very well. And obviously for those of us, obviously we have not watched him closely Um, this season to see that obviously is important, especially, you know, he hasn't played much lately. So to see him kind of step into the system and uh, be able to, to play that, that type of basketball um, is very valuable because if he's switchable and again, like he's not going to like, you know, shut down like uh, Kyrie Irving in, in space or something like that. But if he can, if you can get away with that at times, if he can, you know, basically, you know, occupy the the offensive player for three seconds um and and not just be like immediately like you know smoked um then man he becomes even more value and gives you even more versatility kind of going late in game so i thought that was a a great thing to see and obviously offensively it was a monster effort from the bucks and defensively in fourth quarter they uh managed to turn the screws kind of when it was needed and um, obviously that was you know something we've seen at times um in the past as well we've seen them kind of you know be able to lock down more in the fourth quarter and again these games that you know it was weird like after the celtics game it was like man close game what the hell like bucks don't really play i think mean, i think they're four and five in games decided by three points for less this year like they just mm-hmm. does not happen much and even these games that are nominally close into the fourth quarter um you know whether it was that game uh the charlotte game i mean that bulls game uh whatever, a week ago or two weeks ago, um, you know, these games that nominally like get a little bit hairy, the Bucks just eventually just put their foot down and, uh, and are able to pull away, which, you know, again, kind of, I think speaks to that idea of great teams don't win close games. Great teams win, you know, blowouts and, you know, games that should be close the Bucs this year are saying, no, nah, this game isn't going to be close. We're going to win this comfortably in the end. And uh, I think obviously that's just a testament to how good they've been and, that's why their point differential is awesome, and that's why they have 45 wins uh, beating their mark from last year, even though they still have 23 games left.
1: Yeah, it it is kind of interesting to think about how many games. And, I mean, we talked about this earlier in the year when the Bucks were, uh, I don't even know, was it 0 for 5, 0 for, 0 for 4 in games decided by three points or less?
0: But it was just like, well... No, they, they won the first game. They won the first game of the season real close, so they were never over. Sure, yeah, so like like, yeah, they like they one and four or, or something, something like that. that. Yeah.
1: Um, so I remember talking about it, and then you know, you and I kind of looked at the stats, and it was like, oh, that was a one or two point game that turned into a six point win for the Bucks, or that was a one or two point game that turned into a ten point win, and it was just like that's that's kind of what they do, and. It has been interesting, obviously, to see them play a little bit. And um, you mentioned Miritich switching on Saturday, but I actually thought it was it was pretty interesting on Thursday that – and these might be the possessions I'm a little bit more uh, – wor- I don't want to say worried about, but more interested in were the possessions in I think it was the third quarter of that Celtics game. He goes toe-to-toe with Al Horford. And I thought did a, a – serviceable job stayed in front and he's strong enough and he's big enough that like Horford just couldn't like bowl him over and, and get easy looks and to me it was like oh okay so that not that Al Horford is the the example of what it means to defend a five but you know in some ways that like that's something that could be very helpful in the postseason, And, you know, to see him go back to back games where one game he's defending Al Horford and then the next game he's switching on to some ones, twos and threes and, you know, holding up like that, that becomes incredibly important in the playoffs. Like that, that versatility can just be huge. And, you know, it it was obviously really good to see. And I gotta say, I, um, I talked earlier about how together the Bucks locker room is and, you know, how loose and fun it is. And, uh, I think how good all of them are as teammates. And I just have to say, I'm slightly annoyed with how good they are as teammates because no one will admit when I ask, like, man, it must be fun, you know, trying to set Nico up for threes. And they all say, oh, you know, he can do so much more than just shoot threes. And it's like, yes, guys, I understand. And you've all told me this five times already. But can you just say it's pretty damn cool to chuck it to that dude in the corner and let him just like let him have a three? Like, it's very clear Giannis loves playing with him already. Like, it's very clear that Giannis always keeps an like an eye out for him and is like, OK, does he have a sliver of space? OK, let me whip it over there and let's get him a three like to me that has been I don't want to say a revelation I think all of us thought that that was going to happen but to kind of see some of that chemistry occur so quickly um, and in Nico's case a little bit more often on corner threes than I think I would have guessed um, that he's been in those spots with Giannis on the floor but either way like uh, this that addition again I don't know if you can take the Bucks' offense much higher, but I, I think it very clearly does. Like it does take them to another level and, you know, circling back to what you said before about Bledsoe having one of those moments against the Celtics, you know, the idea behind getting Miritich is, you know, being able to get through bench units and, you know, have something like that. But, uh, you know, if you're not going to have, uh, you know, a Steph Curry to run with a Kevin Durant, uh, you might as well have, a bunch of guys between two and eight on your roster that not necessarily can carry you, but for three minutes can just get hot, uh, for, you know, a quarter can be the guy that swing a game and, you know, 17 points in 18 minutes. That's the kind of stuff I think we were talking about, uh, before the all-star break when it was like, Oh, do the bucks have, you know, a, a guy that can just with shooting, find a way to win you a playoff game. And it's like, okay, Miritich is, Miritich is that kind of guy. Like he can in a shorter stint, find a way to win you, win you a game. And you know, that is really big. If, uh, you know, blood. who didn't have a, a good playoffs last year, if he has a rough night, if, uh, brogdon is not able to get by, by guys and you know is missing some of his uh, close shots okay now you have another guy if lopez is getting run off the three-point line you have a, a you know a slightly smaller version of a similar player that is maybe a little bit more skilled that you can put in there if middleton isn't uh having the best night you have another guy that can kind of carry the load just for a little while and you know, I just think it, that that kind of thing can be absolutely huge for a team in the playoffs and especially a team that might not be as top heavy as some of the other teams. Like if you can get contributions two through eight, like that's that's really where, uh, you know, I think you can find some some special stuff and, and find a way to to win a game. So uh, I, I know after the game, I'm I, Jana said something to the fact to the effect of, you know, like we don't want to. We don't want to win every game by scoring 140 points. Like we want to be better defensively, and I kind of circled back on that and asked, like, "Oh, you know, you said this," and he cut me off real quick. And he's like, "No, it, it's okay. Like we can we can win games that way. I'm fine if we win the rest of our games by scoring 140 points, and you know, win's a win, even if it's ugly and all the like." But I I finally got my question out after asked, kind of cut me off to answer that and said, you know, like 140 is pretty special <laughs> Like you guys have a special offense. And, uh, that, that his response was like, yeah, you know, we have a, a real, like, we have a lot of really talented players on this team. We have a lot of really, really good players. And uh, I, I think the this, this kind of, again, it's Thursday, Saturday, but still this weekend set that we're discussing this weekend, like, I think it kind of proves that on both sides that, you know, they, They can if they need to win a game where they just can't hit a shot. Nothing is falling, and they're finding a way to win that game. And they're doing so against one of the best teams in the league. And then, you know, two nights later, they can hit all the shots. They can't get a stop to save their lives. And, well, they can win that way, too. Like As you're looking at the, you know, I think the... The ability to be somewhat of a, a of a shape shifting team in the playoffs, like that, this is two, these are two games that I think kind of show off that ability and show what the Bucks can really do.
0: Yeah, it's just remarkable. I mean, you just I mean, I'm just like looking up up and down the stat sheet, The number of guys that you know you just you just have to worry about like being a thorn in your side and um, being able to do things on both ends. It's just, it's just pretty re- remarkable with this team. And I mean, um, one thing I wanted to ask you, I think, you know, we talked about how the real, you know, one of the major upsides of Meritich is that, you know, really so had been kind of the weak link in the rotation. And, you know, obviously Meritich is sort of like, I don't know. It, 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 it feels, even, I don't even know if they're really that comparable to say like, oh, he's like, basically like a super version of Sova. Cause I mean, they, they play differently. Right. But, um, but obviously, you know, they're similarly sized um, kind of, or maybe used similarly positionally Miritich, I think obviously can, can move better, can dribble better. So, you know, the idea of putting him out there with, and pl- even playing some three, I mean, he's done that in the past, you know, so I want to do that very much, um, but um, more of a, con- you know, you got to at least have more of a conversation around that. Um, what, what's kind of your, your take on seeing Ursan getting these minutes with Miritich And kind of how they're balancing that because it's kind of interesting. Because it's like on some level, I'd have to double check how much time Giannis and Miritich have actually played together. Obviously, it hasn't been a ton just because, like, Giannis is the starter and Miritich is a bench guy. And I think on some level, it kind of is natural um, to break them up um, because they're clearly like the, the kind of the best at creating kind of offense in a lot of ways, although. Brooke Lopez has been doing more of that of late as well. Um, but I don't know. What's kind of your your initial take on sort of like how they're using Miritich? Um, it feels like we're seeing a lot of him with with Urson, you know, just sort of as being that kind of second unit shift um, at the big spots. And, you know, I guess the good news is Ursan has looked better. Again, still have questions about him um, and what he can do in a, in a playoff setting. Um, but I don't know. What, what do you think about that? Is is there something that you really want to see in terms of combinations um, kind of as we get more down the stretch here, obviously, you know, marriage is just kind of settling in. So, you know, we haven't seen necessarily all the different variations and late game combinations that we might eventually, but what's kind of been your initial reaction to, I guess, how marriage is fitting in and, and how he kind of complements the other big guys.
1: I think I've been sort of surprised by uh, how often Bud has been going to like jumbo packages um, yeah it, that's, it's something that and not,
0: not always, not always with Miritich either. Like I think there's no. been a number of times where Ersan, Giannis and, and like Brooke are out there together, right?
1: Yeah, there have been. So it's just, uh, you know, like it's kind of weird to, you know, I, I think, I think what you sort of believe in and think about with, with, uh, with Miritich is like, oh yeah, like you can go small here and you can, uh, you know, have like him and Giannis kind of be your bigs. And, you know, often it's been like, okay, well, he's still going to be out there. Miritich is still going to be out there with a traditional big. And, um, you know, I think it's just been weird that I shouldn't say weird, but um, Bud has also just kind of not really given you like a, like five minute stretch of something with Miritich. Like it's not like, okay, these five guys out there for five minutes. like It'll be, okay, Miritich is out there for five or six minutes. Then again, like this has something to do with him still getting his cardio back, and you can kind of tell that he hasn't played in a while and he's still working through all of that. Uh, but it's like a lot of the times it'll be like, oh, here's – Here's Miritich out there for a couple of minutes with Giannis. And here he is out there for a couple minutes without Giannis. And here he is out there for, like, I think on Saturday there was a Miritich Elias Silva pairing with no Giannis or Middleton. Like, it was like a strange bench unit where it was like Miritich Ilya Silva and yeah. then Hill. And, yeah, that could be. Um, but it was just like, okay. Like, I think as. What we've seen thus far is just Bud, uh, to, at least to me, just kind of experimenting and trying to figure out how those puzzle pieces fit together. Because I, I don't, I'd have to really look in the lineup data, but I, I can't imagine there's a Mirtich lineup that has been on the floor like one five-man grouping that's been on the floor for more than ten minutes. Like, and again, he's only played probably less than. I mean, like 35 total, probably um, somewhere around there. So uh, that's not saying much, but it, it is a a lot of experimentation and I am curious to see when, you know, when does it uh, kind of become a little bit more normal? Because I do think in many ways, Mirtich can be the guy that uh, you can put with some of those bench units that I think got a little bit hairy at times before the all-star break yeah, um, before the trade deadline, like, where it would just be like, is that enough offense out there? Like Brogdon and four bench guys, like, is that enough? Like maybe, maybe get a little bit more out there. And, you know, to me, Miritich is kind of the guy that's like, okay, like Brogdon and Miritich can, can be a pairing together. And maybe that can help juice up the offense a little bit in spots where uh, previously you wouldn't have felt as comfortable.
0: Yeah. And to give you guys a sense of this. So um, on Saturday, Meretic came in uh, at the 539 mark of the first quarter for Giannis. Um, He only plays um, a few minutes. He only played four and a half minutes. Then Giannis comes back. So didn't have any overlap there with him, but does come back um, into the game at the 856 mark of the second quarter with Giannis back in uh, promptly made a three and had an assist. Um, And then uh, Giannis went back to the bench. I think they only played something like, you know, like, two or two and a half minutes or something like that together in the second quarter. Um, And then in the third quarter, uh, again, Miritich actually and Eliasova come in as a straight swap for Giannis and Brooke at the same time. So uh, that was, uh, let's see, at the 249 mark. So they go for the extended stretch with, with the kind of the starters, and then they end up taking out, you know, basically the two bigs together. And then we see um, a really brief stretch from the 9.54 mark to the 8.13 mark of the fourth quarter where the Bucs. This was basically near the front of the Bucks' 18-2 run that really basically gave them the separation that, that ultimately won the game for them. And in this little, basically minute and a half stretch with Miritich, Bledsoe, Ilyasova, Giannis, and Pat. So again, this was you could call it a jumbo lineup because Giannis is effectively, I guess the three there, but there's no Brooke. So basically you have like three power forwards together and in that span, they were plus seven um, as a group. Uh, And I think Miritich had, um, uh, no, he didn't have his three in in that exact stretch, but um, he had it earlier in the, in the third quarter. But, um, but anyway, yeah. So, I mean, I think, I think that's a broader trend. It seems like Bud is experimenting a lot more. We've talked about, more switching we've talked about you know kind of like just some of these weirder lineups obviously anytime you have new players you're going to get more experimentation but it's kind of interesting i think it's probably going under the radar a bit just because the bucks keep winning so like you know unless again you're watching the game and really saying like wow the bucks are switching in the second or third quarter that's kind of unique um you probably wouldn't really notice that the bucks are doing kind of different things because again it's not like brooke is suddenly switching or trapping from, you know, the start of the game or something like that, right? It's not like they're like completely changing what they do. Um, but, you know, experimentation here and there. And obviously with Meritich, they're presumably going to have to try to figure out like how to best to use him. I mean, you know, clearly 18 minutes on Saturday. I don't think at peak, you know, bucks that we're going to see 18 minutes of Meritich. I have to think we're going to see more. And whether that is just, you know, less Urson, less Brook, um, more jumbo lineups, so you have maybe less, you know, strolling Brown, for instance, or something like that. Um, all those things are options for the Bucks to use. And I think that will just be, you know, I think one of those interesting things to watch down the stretch here, because, you know, obviously the Bucks are kind of in a good mode right now. Um, and I mean, again, kind of keeping with the drama, you know, knock on wood, you hope nothing changes, but they haven't had a losing streak all season. There's, you know, there's been like, there's been no internal strife other than like when Middleton got benched and then he missed the game due to personal reasons. And obviously that was kind of a, you know, more of a coincidence than anything. And, you know, I think Zach Lowe had a great piece um, on, uh, on, on Chris um, last week, um, kind of going through really, really big picture on Chris, um, which was a a really good read. Um, But, uh, but yeah, I mean, there was, there's been like, I think, especially for Chris, maybe some, some learning, some, um, adjustment that has happened. Um, but obviously at this point, you know, he makes the all-star game game, all-star team, obviously he's been playing better, even if he hasn't always been scoring big, you know, big numbers, he has the big rebound night, making plays, ultimately hitting that big shot, um, late against the Celtics and then has a terrific game on Saturday when, you know, really even Giannis had a bit of a quiet stretch in the middle quarter. So, um, so, yeah, I think it's just it – we will be interesting to see kind of like the continued tweaking. Um, you, by the way, you knew things were not going well for the Bucs defensively because Pat Connaughton played in the third quarter. Pat <laughs> is like always the breaking case of emergency wing guy, um, it seems, when they when they want to see – try to kind of change things up a bit. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, I mean, again, I, you, you don't want drama. I think when you're cruising the way the Bucs are, less drama is, is good. Um, and you know, we'll kind of just see how, how things continue to evolve. I think, um, I I don't know if you had any other comments on that. I think maybe the only other thing worth touching on, um, is, is Giannis and like, um, I think how, how we might see Giannis and, and again, this would just be speculation, I guess, at this point, but, um, I think that's interesting to think about how they're going to pace Giannis's minutes and maybe some rest days over the next couple months, just because again, that's, I think, one of the huge benefits of, you know, Toronto losing a game on Sunday and, you know, Golden State losing games and, you know, continuing to kind of pad their lead at the top of the standings just because I think it does give you a little more flexibility to potentially rest Giannis on back-to-backs or maybe give him, you know, a couple games off or something like that because he did show up on the injury report um, the past week with that kind of knee soreness in his right knee that, you know, we've seen in previous, you know, last year cost him games throughout the season. Um, so I think it'll be an interesting thing to monitor, you know, is that something that, Specifically they tried to steal some games You know, rest him And obviously just the better the Bucks are doing From a standings perspective Obviously the more flexibility you have to do things like that
1: Alright, let's go with Monday, February 25th At Chicago Let's go with Saturday, March 2nd at Utah The second of a back-to-back In the middle of a five-game road trip um, Following a game in Los Angeles Friday, March 1st Let's go with ooh, Hmm. I'm trying to think. I guess let's go Sunday, March 10th at San Antonio after a home game on Saturday, March 9th. So Saturday, March 9th, Sunday, March 10th, uh, back-to-back, Charlotte at Charlotte at home and then at San Antonio. Uh, so let's go with March 10th. Let's go with Wednesday, March 20th at Cleveland uh, following the second game in a back-to-back with the Lakers uh, Tuesday, March 19th in Milwaukee and then at Cleveland. And then let's go with... Sunday, March thirty first, at at, uh, at uh, Atlanta, uh, the first of a back to back between Atlanta and Brooklyn. Uh, I believe that's five games. So Monday, February twenty fifth, at Chicago. Uh, Saturday, March second, at Utah. Sunday, March tenth, at San Antonio. Wednesday, March twentieth, at Cleveland, and Sunday, March thirty first, at Atlanta. Giannis will sit out all those games. How do you feel about
0: that? I expect some of them to be to to sit out. Um, I think. You know, late in the calendar. I think it's interesting. They have two back-to-backs involving the Hawks and Nets in the last two weeks of the season. They have the March 31st and April 1st back-to-back where they're in Atlanta and then um, in Brooklyn. And then um, on April 6th and April 7th, they play a home back-to-back against the Nets and Hawks, which is just weird. Um, So there's a couple of examples like that. But you know, I think the, the, the really interesting thing is just you look at the last, you know, week of the season. I mean, you know, like, I don't think Golden State, like, we'll start of the topic. I don't think Golden State is at all concerned about having home court in the finals against the Bucks or the Raptors. Like, I, I just don't think they're going to, you know, I think they're going to be resting guys in the last week of the season. I, I don't think they're particularly worried about that. Um, so I think the Warriors could be resting guys. Um, the Raptors have been resting Kawhi um in particular all season uh, they lost today and sorry my daughter just woke up so there's some screaming in the background um, we're almost done here so i can my wife can i can give my wife some help with that but um but yeah i think it'll be interesting to see because i think pretty much all these teams at the top um i think are going to prioritize rest over necessarily jostling in the standings and you know in the east the other kind of interesting variable is just you know can indiana actually stay in that third slot in the East, because if they can, then the Raptors may not, may not want the top seed in the East anyway, um, because it potentially sets up a two, three, um, you know, kind of matchup in, in the second round against Indiana. And obviously everyone would rather play Indiana than, you know, a potential Boston, Philadelphia winner um, from a first round series. So I'm, I'm still skeptical that Indiana can pull that off, but I also think, I don't know. I mean, at this point, it's like the Celtics have to start like getting it together to be like, like the, the Pacers aren't going to fold, it seems. So I think the big question is just, are the Sixers or Celtics actually going to get it together? And, you know, only one of those teams needs to get it together because it's not like they both need to jump uh, over the Pacers. As long as the Pacers are in the one of the four or five slots, then I think, you know, you're very content as the Bucs being number one and I think the Bucks are going to be happy to be number one regardless, but um, I think it'll be interesting to see just, as you mentioned, there are a number of kind of back-to-backs coming up. And, um, you know, I think especially, you know, last year we saw them rest Giannis. You know, he had the knee soreness early in the season too. Like it seems like almost like it's taken longer to get there, maybe in part because fewer back-to-backs and fewer minutes this year. Um, so again, you hope this is just, um, you know, kind of just the reality of the NBA calendar and, all guys, just getting kind of dinged up a bit, um, but certainly I mean, I tweeted it out. Like I, I'm not happy to see Giannis's right knee soreness crop up on the injury report, just because he's had it for years, and you know, it probably will be something that he's going to have to manage, just you know, for the rest of his career, most likely. Um, and again, not that it's like you know, some something that's going to cost him a season or send it stretches, um, but it's all about being smart and managing it well, and so. It's a little frustrating because obviously you want the Bucks to win every, and you'd hate to look at any game on the calendar and just say like oh we're you know we're just going to concede. If the game in LA is nationally televised. I have a hard time imagining they're going to rest. Um, and but by the same token, like Saturday against in Utah, um, you know, do you really want to play them on a back-to-back when? Have really, um, you know, they play basically. To, they play Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, Monday, and then they only get an extra day off, um, when they're in Phoenix, and then they return home to play the Pacers. So, adjusted um, calendar here over the next like ten days or so. So, it would probably surprise me at this point if you're a Bucks fan in Utah this is our official warning to be wary of of Giannis maybe missing that game um but who knows right Giannis is a competitor we know he's smart he's gonna want to take care of mind, but um you know I also don't think the Bucks are gonna you know treat him like Kawhi where they just you know if it's if it's any type of you know question or you know back any back-to-back that he's just automatically not going to where they are in the standings, they can afford to, um, you know, be a little more cautious.
1: Um, I, I, I can check it real quick, but I think he's missed four games this year, if I have it right. Um, maybe it's more. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so he missed one against Orlando. He missed one against Washington. He missed one uh, against Cleveland, and he missed one against Toronto. They are 2-2 two and two in those games. So um, I will say that, you know, there's some spots in there where, I don't I don't think you're conceding anything. Like you the like, we talk about how talented the Bucks are like they're still good. Um they're not as good.
0: And I, and I think you're I mean again, Nikola Mirotic does not replace what Giannis does but I think in a like random game against like a decent team you you really can use Mirotic because he bring more of that sort of offensive creation type right? So I think again, like I think they, you have, you're much better suited towards, you know, being able to cope with Giannis missing a game here or there now, um, than before the Meritage trade too. So you know, again, it could be an interesting opportunity also to get D.J. Wilson backs into the lineup, get Meritage some extended run. Um, I'd be curious in the that scenario who they would start, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, again, like another reason why the Meritage trade is nice because I think it does give you maybe a little more flexibility. You don't lose quite as much.
1: Yeah, for sure. So, so the, yeah. I mean, I'm not gonna try to tell people that they shouldn't be mad if they bought right. tickets a while ago um, for like a game, and then Giannis doesn't play. Um, I will just say that I know sometimes it's only gonna be the only game in San Antonio or Utah or wherever it is if you're a Bucks fan. Um, but you know, watch out on the schedule. Any back to back, I I think you. I don't want to say you shouldn't be surprised, but you know. If there's a back-to-back, you guys can see it all in the NBA. So just be just be prepared for that at any time. Um, all right, I think that's gonna be it for us for today. Uh, we can I don't know what we're gonna do after this Bulls game. I'll be driving down there. Hopefully, I won't almost die on the way back like I did last time. Um, so maybe Kane and I will do it, or maybe Frank and I don't mystery guest will do it, or we'll figure it out. So that'll be tomorrow, Bucks Bulls in Chicago. We'll see if Giannis plays, we'll see if the Bucks are able to pull out a win. So for Frank Man, I'm Eric Name, the Spin Lockdown Bucks. We will talk to you guys tomorrow.